Welcome to NARAL's The Morning After. Each week, our podcast brings you the latest on reproductive health care, progressive politics, and the fight to keep abortion safe and legal. You can listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, YouTube, and on our website at ProChoiceOhio.org. The program also airs each Friday morning at 9 on WGRN 94.1 in Columbus, Ohio. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ProChoiceOH. NARAL's The Morning After is a production of NARAL ProChoice Ohio. Enjoy the show! Hey, I'm Gabe. I'm Kelly. And I'm Terry. Welcome back, Reverend Terry Williams. How you been? Um, I've been better. <laughs> like, you know, if our state house would actually not, you know, try to regulate people's free choice out of existence. Like, you would have thought that, like, the near-total abortion ban in April would have been enough. But no, they're like, let's just keep regulating it. How can we fundraise if we can't keep regulating they it? They just have to keep something moving in the legislature to move this issue because... Why not? Just again and again and again. Um, even when they have to make up things, even when they have to, to <laughs> lie to people. that's what they're doing at this point. They're making up things. make laws that overlap other laws that we already have that's now going to be really confusing. I, the poor prosecutors who <laughs> might have to actually charge people under these statutes. I, I don't even know why they're wasting their time and ours, but they are. So, Well, because they, they fundraise off of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. that that's, I think, is, is one of the most sick layers of this, is they pass these regulations, which, you know, they may or may not take seriously themselves as elected officials, but then their fundraising directors send out letters to their big donors and say, hey, we passed another abortion restriction, send your check here. And I think the other frustrating part for me, looking at, at this process, is they're not only getting the one benefit of being able to fundraise off of, you know, laws that don't actually do anything. They're getting the benefit of being able to talk about an issue that they just keep want to, they want to keep harping on again and again and again, so that they don't have to talk about the real problems that are going on in our state. We don't hear anything about, you know, infant mortality, unless it's from, you know, a a select group of uh, folk who are bringing that forward and don't get to see that in committee or on the floor. We don't hear anything about maternal health. Uh, again, unless it's from that that small cadre of folk who just don't have the votes to be able to bring that forward. Um, so we just, as a state, keep talking about the same thing again and again and again, even though we know that the will of a majority of these legislators doesn't jive with the Constitution. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, we <clears throat> we did hear, just, just kind of jumping ahead in the agenda, we did hear about infant and maternal mortality this week, but we heard about it from the Democrats who were being outvoted. Yeah. Uh, and then in terms of kind of bigger picture... I will say that bill did... Pa- well, was it a resolution? It was designating May as Maternal Health Month. Well, that's yeah. something. I mean, but it passed yeah. unanimously. Nobody voted against that. Right. <laughs> Non-binding resolutions are fantastic. I, it was yeah. introduced by Senator Maharath, so yeah. it was a Democrat that introduced Thanks, it. It was Tina. passed. Yeah. That's, so. I mean, yeah, that's that's a, a good thing, but but I mean, to to Terry's point, it's not it's not the people who supposedly care about mothers and babies that are introducing legislation to, like, at least highlight some of the issues that people go through after giving birth. Right. Yeah. Uh, And then the other thing that came out um, yesterday that I thought was interesting was um, 
there's a for folks who don't know there's a, a new service in the state house called Gongwer, and it's a paid subscription service, and nobody outside the state legislature subscribes to it. But it's very good. It's it it is very good if you if you are really hardcore in state house politics, and so basically it's just <laughs> lobbyists and legislators and their staff who subscribe to this service, but it's incredibly comprehensive. And it's so they so good. Yeah. Uh, and so they went to the uh, the Speaker of the House because the bills that we're talking about today, most of them were in the Senate. And so they said, hey, you know, what do you think about these abortion restrictions that the Senate's passing over to you? And he didn't directly address the abortion restrictions because big Larry, uh, Larry Householder is, is, you know, he is anti-choice. Um, he is our opponent in, you know, in these bills. But he said, you know, hey, we have some House bills that have been sent over to the Senate that are actual legislative priorities. Why is nobody working on these? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there, there's the admission from the Ohio Speaker of the House that the legislature is not doing the work that they need to be doing, but instead passing garbage, you know, anti-abortion restrictions that are garbage. And and it's frustrating, on you know, kind of doubly frustrating for me that not only are they not doing the work that needs to be done, they're not even doing good work on the the restrictions that they are trying to pass. I mean, I I was pretty outraged yesterday sitting listening to speeches from the Senate floor, particularly you know you you have um, Senator Lehner come forward and repeat the same talking points that she had at her press conference when she announced you know, Senate Bill 155, right? That this this fake medical science, you know, junk science BS that she's putting forward, she used the same talking points at the end of the process as she did at the beginning, even though all of those talking points were addressed, particularly the idea that there's no way we can really study this and we shouldn't have to show any kind of, you know, documented scientific evidence because it's impossible to study. Those ideas have totally been debunked again and again and again by person after person after person in in-person testimony. And it just seems like she already wrote her floor speech before she had any hearings. She probably so, did. Yeah. So so even in this process, you're not doing the work of the people that needs to get done. And even the work that you're doing, you're not doing it well or with due diligence or with any modicum of trust in in the public. You're, you're not actually doing your job. You are grandstanding. And, um, you know, it was basically theater from top to bottom. And, uh, you know, I, I joked yesterday with a couple of colleagues. I said, you know, the Ohio Senate right now is um, the best free theater you can get because there's really nothing else coming out of there right <laughs> now except for, you know, entertainment from, uh, you know, I feel uh, like an odd perspective. I feel like Senator later just thinks that whoever is seeking an abortion hasn't thought about it long enough or like thought about it hard enough and will just change your mind if you can give her something else and that's just not the case. People don't regret their abortions like yeah. by and large. Well, and I you know it, it was kind of appalling for me, you know, I got to testify on on uh, 155 and, and 208 and to be asked by a senator in a hearing what my personal religious beliefs are as if that should, you know, my personal religious beliefs should inform as you're standing the legislating there in your process. reverend's collar. Right, like <laughs> you know and and yet I was re- I was really taken aback, but it it was a turning point for me because I realized 
the folk who are advancing this anti-choice agenda, they sincerely believe that my religious beliefs should somehow impact legislation, that, that my particular religious beliefs ought to bind somebody else's reproductive choices. And it dawned on me, you know, of, of all people, you know, ministers should probably, you know, to some extent believe that our beliefs have impact, which we do, but we don't believe our, our beliefs should have impact on your choices, right? My beliefs impact my choices. And the idea that we have state senators who believe that my religious belief ought to bind somebody else's constitutional right is really scary. It's weird. It's really scary and like through the looking glass bizarre. Right. right? Mm. So so while we're talking about these, we, we will jump totally ahead of the agenda here. Uh, so we had this week... Um, the fourth hearing for both Senate Bill 155 and 208. These are two bills that basically just make up lies about abortion uh, and then put those lies into the Ohio Revised Code with the penalty of felony convictions for doctors and maybe women, uh, you know, maybe people seeking abortions, um, you know, depending on how those uh, those laws, you know, those bills would be interpreted as laws. Um, so we heard uh, Jordan Close, uh, the Reverend Al Debelak, uh, and Dr. Anita Samani, who spoke on Senate Bill 155. Um, this is the this is Senator Lehner's abortion pill reversal bill um, that says with all of the air quotes. <laughs> yes, with all of the the air quotes. Yeah. That's not really a thing. Um, the, uh, the FDA has not approved, uh, this idea that you can just shove progesterone into a woman and, and have that abortion be reversed. I mean, the Society for Family Planning, uh, sponsored like an actual study that was like scientifically sound and it ended early because of like potential harm to pay, like people who were involved in the study. So like, we don't know the final results of it, but it's not looking good anyway. Yeah. Right. And that was one of their talking points is they said, well, there's, it's not possible to have a study. And, and <laughs> That's just like, weird because there well, is one. And, and I think the, the struggle for me, you know, as, as a person of faith who takes science very seriously, you know, I, my original major, um, you know, in undergrad was chemistry, right? So I, I'm right, so bad at chemistry. I, I passed organic chemistry, right? Like flying colors and physical chemistry with a tremendous amount of work. Thank what you, Dr. Dale Brew at Ohio <laughs> Wesleyan University, uh, if you're listening. Um, no, but you, you begin in, in science, you begin to understand how incredibly complicated, um, you know, particularly the human body is in terms of responding to different treatment protocol and stimuli. Bodies are complex. So you have to go through a very clear standardized procedure for testing any kind of protocol, any kind of drug. Um, and that process is through a double blind study protocol. Double-blind study protocol does not have to be what Senator Lehner is throwing up as a straw man argument, right? Senator Lehner says, oh, this would be unethical. It wouldn't be. Actually, the study protocol that was put out at UC Davis had to go through multiple ethics boards. It had to go through multiple ethics certifications. It had lots and lots and lots of really good input in terms of how to do this ethically and within you know, a moral component of care for, for patients. And it had to be ended early because, you know, we don't know exactly why until the study gets published. But 
some process uh, in in that whole procedure ended up having to shut the whole study down for, for safety concerns. So Senator Lehner's kind of making this argument that, no, no, we can't possibly study this, when the reality is we're going to have this study done within the next few years. Eventually, something is going to come out of scientific import in the literature. But the state of Ohio and the state legislature has said, no, we don't need to worry about that. We don't need to wait for it. We're going to go forward because we know more. We are better than the doctors. We're better than the scientists. We who have been elected in this place as legislators are going to come right into the doctor's office. We're going to come right into the the scientific laboratory, and we're going to tell you how this ends before the research begins. Any research scientist is going to tell you that's total bunk. But sadly, we don't have any research scientists sitting on, uh, you know, the committees that are hearing this. The right committee now. wouldn't listen to yeah. them if they walked in the door. I well, mean, and there are doctors in the health health committee that yeah. still don't listen to them. So, well, in in Dr. Samani's testimony, if if anybody listening to this has time, go listen to Dr. Anita Samani's testimony because we'll add the was, audio onto this show. It so. was so very clear in her testimony um, that folk who were questioning her just did not want to accept the level of ambiguity that's inherent in medical science. Medical science is something that we send people to school for a long time (laughs) to get right. And when they come out of that education and go through practice and, you know, 15 years of practice like Dr. Samani has been in as an OBGYN in obstetrics, you're going to look at every single case individually. So when you're asked to make these huge sweeping generalizations, she was really clear, you can't make that claim. We we do not have that level of certainty because medical science, and particularly the field of obstetrics, is so incredibly complex. What we do know is we have no evidence that this is a safe protocol. Um, you know, people have put out again and again, oh, progesterone's been used in pregnancy for years and it's completely safe to a pregnant woman. That may be true, but this is not simply giving someone progesterone. It's giving someone progesterone after the initiation of the Mifeprex protocol. Right. We have no research on this. We have no research on the drug interactions, the possible long-term side effects to you know the mother, to the pregnancy, to anything else that's going. It is absolutely beyond our realm of expertise. And then they Yet the state the of Ohio is making physicians make statements that are unproven and perhaps even dangerous yeah, for their I mean, patients. Yeah, they're jeopardizing like the health of Ohioans um, just for what? To raise money. Yeah. I mean, at, at, <laughs> at, the, the, end at the, the end of the day, it is to advance these anti-choice bills so that they constantly have something in play that they can raise money off of, even if it means harming the health of Ohioans. Right. So they passed Senate Bill 155 through the committee. Uh, They also uh, did the fourth hearing on Senate Bill 208, which has nothing to do with how abortion actually works. Um, This is a bill uh, that... That That bill makes me sad. (laughs) Well, that's that's what it's designed to do. Um, No, I mean, like, the fact that the Ohio legislature passed it and, like, didn't... Like, the concept of, like, not even understanding why somebody would be seeking an abortion later in pregnancy is just upsetting to me. Like they don't have any sense, like any modicum of compassion or empathy for these kind of uh, circumstances. And it just, it makes me sad. 
Right. Well, and and two, the palliative care aspect that's negatively impacted by Senate Bill 208 is, it, you know, for me as a pastor is really concerned. You know, just for, for folks that aren't um, up to speed, Senate Bill 208 um, somehow seeks to prevent the, the um, lack of provision of care for a born-alive infant. Which, of course, you know, um, Senator Fetter made very clear yesterday on the, the Senate floor. That's been illegal since 1974 under <laughs> the Ohio Revised Code. Right. But nonetheless, nonetheless, we're going we're gonna to implement this new, um, you, you know, this new legislation in this bill. And the bill not only, you know, strengthens that part of the legislation, it goes into all kinds of restrictions on particularly ambulatory um, surgical centers. It also makes uh, you know some cloudy gray area when it comes to palliative care for infants. When a a mother gives birth to a child that you know might have a fatal fetal anomaly or other you know concerning issues, that means that infant is not going to live very long. Like you know, and you know, as a pastor, I've been called into multiple situations where this has been the case, where we know that this pregnancy. Um, is going to result in a fetal death. You know, often it's a, a wanted pregnancy. It's going to result in a fetal death. And when that pregnancy turns into, um, you know, a child, when, when birth happens, there's a very short period of time where the mother and, you know, often the other spouse are able to physically hold and find comfort in that child. The question that you know still hasn't been answered under this bill is, will they still have that right? Because the way that this bill reads, if an infant is born alive and the doctor doesn't do everything possible to try to continue its life, the doctor could be held criminally negligent. Well, you know, if I'm a doctor and I'm worried about this new law that's come out, I may decide that I have to, you know, take that time between the time that that infant is born and the time that we know that infant's going to die and try to work on that infant to avoid the criminal consequences under 208. Right. Um, for me as a pastor, I can't imagine what that would be like, particularly for you know folk who, who have a moment with their child, a oh, I can, sacred moment. I can know? imagine it because uh, when my first son was born, we spent three weeks in the NICU, and there was a an infant that was born and then passed that same day. And, you know, a, a NICU in a hospital, all of the little, you know, cribs are all in one room. And so yeah. you're sitting there with your kid and the people who have just lost this, uh, you know, this infant that was born that day, mm. um, they're in the same room with you and they're going through hell and you are just sitting there doing your best to blend into the wallpaper because yeah. you don't want to intrude on their private moment. Yeah. It feels like hell. Yeah. Um, and so this bill shoves its way into there. So uh, they passed this one too. Uh, and so then they went from committee on Tuesday um, straight to the Senate floor on Wednesday uh, Kelly, you organized uh, a protest. Uh, <laughs> I did. Um, I got enough people there, and I'm really excited about that. Um, yeah, we like we have in the past spelled out um, stop the and in this case stop the lies because it's not, it's going beyond bans. I mean, the, every past bill has been based on lies too, but this is just like a different level of nonsense. Mm -hmm. So just 
stop the lies, Ohio legislature, please. And thank you. Right. So, you know, I, I think it's a, a great form of protest because uh, you've got... Uh, we don't get kicked out for it. <laughs> they, they uh, yeah, it's, it's basically established, uh, thanks to uh, thanks to your action, uh, <laughs> that if you want to have t-shirts spelling something out, you can stand right up on the rail as the senators vote, and you'll be literally just a couple feet away. They have um, put all of those sofas in the Ohio Senate to try and hide some of the stuff we're doing, I think. <laughs> but you can't stop me. <laughs> I got a request from one reporter to see if we could rearrange all of the letters of the people in t-shirts uh, to spell something else. And I put stop the lies into one of those anagram generators and hitless poet is the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I was told that sounds like a, a good punk band. It but, does. Uh, <laughs> hitless poet. So, it could be. It could um, be. but yeah, so the, the Senate, uh, they passed both of these bills. So now they go on to the house um, over in the House, uh, there's also House Bill 297, which got a hearing. Oh, um, all of these hearings were on Election Day also. Yeah, because, I don't know, I can't say that we're on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> Blank us, I guess. I, I don't remember them ever holding hearings on Election Day. I remember hearing Burke say during committee, there's a bunch of other committees going on right now. I was like, why are you lying, Burke? I, I know what you are the only one in committee. Right. Uh, so House Bill 297 uh, got testimony from Ohio Right to Life and Heartbeat International, two organizations that are attempting to uh, squeeze as much cash directly from Ohio taxpayers now through the form of a tax credit to go to donors, to uh, fake women's health centers, crisis pregnancy centers, CPCs, whatever you want to call them. And no one else. Right. <laughs> they are milking taxpayer dollars for their own ideological purposes. And, you know, I, I listened. I was not able to be, you know, present for the Ways and Means um, hearing. But I put it on as I was writing, you know, my sermon for the week. <laughs> uh, I mean, seriously, because, you know, why not? Um, you know, you, I, I can think of a few reasons why not, but I all mean, right. You know, and, and that's okay. I don't need that kind of negativity in my life. <laughs> no, no, we... Uh, those of us who who follow this, uh, you know, it's it's a passionate it's a passionate concern where our tax dollars are going, particularly when we have a huge problem with housing and homelessness and people not being able to eat in this state. You know, hunger in this state is a huge issue. So when you start talking about where you're going to put tax incentives. I'm going to listen to that all day long. So, you know, I had ways and means on in the background while I'm writing my sermon and to hear that that we think there, you know, the folk in this committee think that there is a good idea <laughs> around putting a carve out for this particular cottage industry of deception because, on top of the money they get from TANF already. Yeah, because right, because they already worked in what is it seven and a half million? million? Uh, seven. See, I you know old numbers. So we're taking seven and a half million dollars from temporary assistance for needy families and filling the coffers of Heartbeat International and Ohio Right to Life. Um, so that their their fake women's clinics can do deceptive work to try to steer people away from abortion services, uh, you know, and and any kind of comprehensive health care for their pregnancy, 
Um, it's really pretty ridiculous. So, you know, I'm sitting here listening to these arguments that come out around, oh, we should get this carve out as opposed to everybody else because we do such unique work. And I'm sitting here thinking about all the organizations that support me as a parish pastor in Southern Ohio. You know, I'm thinking about Mid-Ohio Food Bank. I'm thinking about folk in veterans organizations. I'm thinking about, you know, housing and homelessness initiatives, people who who do, uh, you know, affordable housing work. People who do good and moral work. I'm pretty sure that that work directly impacts a whole lot of people in a way that that would be fantastic for this carve out like if we're going to carve out a particular special exemption so that we can shove tax dollars into a particular industry maybe we ought to worry about the kinds of things that opioid epidemic aren't being you know otherwise addressed yeah so and i found it interesting that the folk from heartbeat international wanted to make this big deal about oh we you know we have like you know hundreds of these community centers all around well it sounds like they're doing pretty good already (laughs) i mean if if they if they have this much uh you know community support why are we then juicing the public again they're paying candace kelly plenty of money they don't we don't they don't need any more well, and, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, like, you know, if it's that sweet a deal, I mean, why are we going to go and then sweeten it again with taxpayer dollars? I, I hear so much in the Ohio legislature about free markets and letting, like, the free market decide and free market solutions, let people vote with their money. Um, why do we feel the need to force people to contribute to organizations that have an ideological bias that we know the majority of the state of Ohio doesn't agree with. I mean, it's not even that for me. Like, I hear, like, I don't want my tax dollars to go to abortion. I do want my tax dollars to yeah. go to abortion. I don't want my tax dollars to go to this. So, like, yeah. it'd be cool if, like, either everybody gets what they want or nobody gets what they want. Like, yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so that was the week in the... In the legislature. <laughs> Ohio State House. Uh, Kelly, do you want to uh, let folks know about what's happening with Women's Med Center in Dayton? Women's Med Center of Dayton is uh, going through a time. (laughs) Um, So they uh, applied for a variance, were rejected for that variance. They are appealing that decision. Um, And also, (laughs) the Ohio Supreme Court refused to reconsider their decision on transfer agreements. So they are currently applying for a temporary restraining order at the federal level because this court court case is also in federal court. so, uh, what is? Did I miss anything? I feel like it was a lot. <laughs> it 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 felt like a lot, but I mean, basically, you've got it right there. Um, you said you said something about a new affidavit. That's something I don't know much about. Uh, yeah. So uh, as they uh, as the clinic applied for this restraining order in federal court, uh, the clinic's attorneys um, were able to submit new documents. Um, we heard from uh, a. Uh, former director of emergency medicine for Miami Valley Hospitals. Hmm. Um, who? The ones associated with Premier. <clears throat> Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. They are. The, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so basically he sent in to the federal courts, uh, a 25 page long affidavit. That's so many pages. <laughs> That explains yeah. all of the many, many, many ways that this written transfer agreement that the state requires has nothing to do with anything related to medical emergencies. He's saying that 
if there's a medical emergency at any location, uh, the ambulance driver, paramedic, EMT won't know about a written transfer agreement because it's not and it's won't not a thing care it's won't fake care. news folks the he's gonna go to the closest hospital because federal <laughs> law trumps state law like yep. whatever he's yeah. saying how the doctor in the emergency room the uh you know chief uh, uh you know uh resident whoever is the uh main go-to doctor in the hospital both in the er and if they need an OBGYN from the obstetrics floor, none of these medical professionals, the doctors, the nurses, the admitting staff, none of them will even know that this written transfer agreement exists. He said the only reason he was aware of it is because he was the chief of staff for the hospital, mm-hmm. and it came across his desk as an administrative, uh, you know, bureaucratic piece the of paper. paper. pushers, no. But the yeah. actual... Healthcare providers, yep. the doctors and nurses mm-hmm. and ambulance drivers don't know squat about transfer agreements. Right. And so that's why these are completely unnecessary. And, but the state requires them. And as is the case with so much of what's coming out of our state house, like at the end of the day, the people who count don't care. And the people <laughs> who care should not count, but they sadly do. Right. And, and that's that's our situation with these transfer agreements. Um, you know, Kelly, I've got to say, I really appreciate all the work that you have done organizing folk, um, you know, in, in the Dayton area around this, because as a parish pastor in Chillicothe, Ohio, I like, love Dayton. <laughs> that's that's one of our, our nearest options for most people in our region. If, you know, Columbus is not convenient for them, um, you know, or there's scheduling issues, being able to have that health care option. Well, we saw um, from 2017 to 2018, like the Ohio abortion report came out and we saw numbers of patients seen at Dayton increase between yeah. those two years. So like, like, it is a very critical clinic in this state and it will be really bad for Ohioans if it closes. And, and it's very critical. It's also just a good clinic. Like right, it, it's got right. good doctors. It's got good staff. Like I just said, yeah. good clinic. And, and they serve a, a critical population, you know, folk who are typically underserved, mm-hmm. um, you know, people in, in rural Appalachia, um, they serve a larger percentage of rural Appalachians in that clinic than most clinics in our state because, you know, they're they're not in one of the big, you know, 3C cities. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea that that healthcare is being threatened right now means that vulnerable communities are being threatened in this in the state um, in a way that will have such a deep impact across not just uh, you know that local region but across the entire state Um, because it it will you know not having an additional resource means that all the other resources are going to be additionally taxed Um, not to mention you know there are going to be a lot of women that if they can't have their health care in that place they won't have their health care period like, uh, you know, this this is life and death for a lot of people. Right. Okay. So upcoming events. Uh, Hannah, your your team is at every Melt location uh, everywhere. In, in Cleveland, Hannah is kicking a lot of ass. I think we have five events at the various Melt locations. So it's a Melt, it's melt Stigma. Uh, it's an abortion uh, stigma busting event in Northeast Ohio. Uh, I think the first one is actually tonight. The flyer for the event is on our Instagram and probably also the Facebook event. So if you go between 5 and 7, 
uh, and mention NARAL and show the flyer, I think we get it like a percentage back, which is really exciting. Yes. Yeah. There's going to be like a little photo booth. It's going to be fun. You get to hang out with a bunch of other people and then eat grilled cheese. Nice. <laughs> just the grilled cheese as big as your head. Just a pound of cheese. It'll be fine. Yep. Um, and then... Uh, another thing she's doing, and the, I don't think the details are finalized, but it's still really exciting, is on the 22nd of November, there is going to be a flash tattoo fundraiser in Cleveland. So you can go get a like pro-choice and or a grilled cheese tattoo. Uh, and I think a percentage of that kicks back to us, too. So Nice. A lot of cool... Fabulous. I know, just cool Fabulous. things happening in Northeast Ohio. Uh, I want to do a flash tattoo event in Columbus. Or maybe even Cincinnati. <laughs> Cincinnati, get at me. No, I want it in Dayton. That's what I want. Yes, yes. All right, I'm going to see what I can do. Okay. Uh, And then the last event we get to promote this week, uh, November 19th coming up, is the next Stand Up for Choice. (laughs) I forgot. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, yep. (laughs) That's an event I have to table at. Come, the money comes back to NARAL. Come hang out with me, laugh at some jokes. Get ready for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. oh, can I throw in a teaser here? Yeah. Um, so Ohio RCRC, Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice, here in Ohio, and uh, Women Have Options Ohio are currently working on the rollout. You're going to see it in the next couple of weeks. The rollout of our abortion care package program. That's right. So, I wanted to work with you guys to do a kickoff event. It's going to be amazing. Amazing! We we've engaged um, really awesome local artists to put together graphics for um, you know a couple of our publications that are going to be included in this um, a resource zine right for folk post-abortion care um, you know just to give not only um, you know spiritual and emotional support but also like the practical support like this is how you make a you know rice heating pad with a clean sock and a microwave right like things that um, you know, folk who are, are going through that post-recovery process um, are going to be looking at. So our goal, um, these packages, they're going to be assembled by communities, whether, um, you know, it's your faith community, Bible study group, maybe like, you know, the people that you watch your kids play with and try not to, you know, um, lose one of them with, I, you know, <laughs> it just depends. Uh, whatever group of people you can think of that you spend any time at all with um, can go ahead and contact us. We can come and, you know, present to you exactly what the program is, what it looks like, and how to assemble these items. And, you know, each of these care packages, you know, you end up with a lot of really great stuff for folk who are in that, that post-abortion process. So, like, you know, heavy sanitary pads, some nice, you know, herbal tea, get everything rolling, um, you know, granola bars, those kind of things. Just some tangible expression um, that folk can take with them when they go from a clinic experience. And our goal is to be able to produce these for any clinic in Ohio that wants them and to make sure that anybody who has an abortion in the state of Ohio goes home with one of these care packages that says, we are with you, we support you, here are all the resources, and by the way, um, you know, we're with you. You're, you're not alone in this process. So um, with all the stigma coming out of the statehouse and, and all the, the lack of compassion that we see in the characterization of, of this healthcare, we want to be able to be that expression of care for folk. Um, so again, Ohio Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice and Women Have Options Ohio are going to be rolling that out uh, next week or so. And just like keep in the back of your mind, um, we have uh, with Ohio RCRC actually today, tomorrow, and uh, Saturday, 
comprehensive sex ed training uh, for facilitators. We're doing that here in Ohio. It had to be pre-registered, but just keep it on your radar. We're going to be doing these a few times throughout the year because comprehensive sex ed is really important and it's not getting taught or funded or even talked about in the legislature. You know, you're doing um, it with our whole labs program, right? Yes. I would love to see the young adult programming. Yeah. Like I, the training's great, but I'm a young adult and I would like to actually participate in that. So if that ever Absolutely. I I'd be down to like co-host that. So I that's really exciting for me because our our process, you know, there for those who aren't um aware our whole lives has, you know, multiple age levels and you know, right now we're doing the the 4 to 6, 4th grade to 6th grade. Um and we're going to be fundraising to try to put on additional units because, you know, we have a limited budget, but we've heard so many people say, oh, we'd really be interested in this. So we're going to be we're going to be fundraising for our next unit of, you know, bringing facilitators here to Ohio and to trying nine. to participate in it. Um, we haven't decided yet. Okay. So if if you're interested in the young adult, um, we, we can make that happen. I think we have some connections. I'm just there, really so. interested to see what that's yeah. like. Yeah, because at the end of the day, um, it is when when people start talking about abortion, like the f- the first conversation that they go to are is around unwanted pregnancy, and regardless of your perspective, I think we can agree that if we could help people be empowered to have pregnancies when they want to have pregnancies and not have pregnancies when they don't want to have pregnancies, that might be a good idea. Um, right now we're doing that on the shoestring budget instead of getting the $7.5 million from TANF or any other funding from the state legislature. Still salty. End of the podcast. Still salty right here, (laughs) Reverend Williams. Um, but yeah, just, uh, keep us in prayer over that. I will ask or good intentions or whatever your spiritual. I'm going to, I'm going to bring back in that jazz organ here. (laughs) Play them off. Thank you very much for coming. Uh, Reverend Terry Williams, and we'll see everybody else next week. (laughs) Bye.